Hi there, welcome back. And thank you for a million followers and subscribers across social media. My name is Trista, my modest touch producer and Oxford Berkeley Type of Medical University undergraduate. Thank you for 40, almost 44,000 already um, listens on this podcast. And thanks for about 130 or so, 140 followers on my new podcast, hashtag politics AF. I, ha- I just saw a great headline. It's Trump plans to flee country. <laughs> Flee the United America States for Russia. Uh, if you're under 65, yeah, yeah. you can qualify. For I'm hot on the trail. So folks, going to fucking one thing jail. has become very clear. And I'm here for not it. not only doesn't have loyalty to his own country, he's increasingly willing to curry favor with foreign actors from shady, if not outright totalitarian nations and figures as a way of enriching himself as well as a way of protecting We're here, himself, the trail, going to fucking jail. the criminal criminal Plenty, charges Trump's start flying fl- against him, and that's Russia. exactly what's yeah, happening yeah. right now. As he ratchets up his talking points in the service of the Russian dictator Vladimir Putin, like that's what's happening right now. We've known that since the start of this conflict, <laughs> and even before, Trump often went out of his way to launder the conduct of Vladimir Putin, either calling him a genius or saying he's misunderstood, or saying that you know, both sides of the conflict need to be right. more, blah, blah, blah. But in the last few days, him KGB and his allies have fucking... really gone out of their way to become out-and-out mouthpieces for the Russian perspective on this conflict. And the only rational explanation That'd be is really great. two. One, Go it's ahead, just blatant partisanship. Anything Biden and the Democrats the are for, we reflectively have to be against. But also, it's a desperate begging effort by Donald Trump, making a secret deal with Putin to protect him and give him you know, exile status, extradition status, if yeah. it comes down to it. And you can see this playing out in multiple ways. Clips by both Trump and his cronies. Here's one from one of his congressional cronies giving the pro-Putin talking points and saying that Donald Trump could end the conflict right now if he wanted. About the depletion of, of stockpiles, because you served in the U.S. military, you were in the Army Reserve, you were a tank commander in Kentucky. Uh, there is a new report from the Center for Strategic and International Studies that suggests, because of the number amount of weapons that we've been giving to Ukraine, if we went into a conflict over Taiwan, we'd have a difficult time finding enough weapons for it. It said, quote, according to the results of a series of CSIS war games, oh, the United States would likely break. run out of some munitions. They just want more fucking money to line their pockets in with. one week in a Taiwan Strait conflict. Are, are, are we risking our own ability to fight a conflict by giving so much material? I believe we are. And look at what he's done to the strategic oil reserves, too. He said the same thing there, depleted that. So now we're depleting our, our military, our munitions. It's going to take years for the industry to catch up. But it's up to $97 oh, billion dollars now, John, that we've sent Ukraine. All this military munitions. Now we want to send M1 Abrams tanks. 
Obviously, there's a crisis on every corner in this country. There's always and enough money. We're dealing with globally, whether it's China dealing with government, Taiwan, always finds money for uh, weapons. North Korea teasing South Korea. So we've got problems in this country, and I think they're exploiting the weakness we have in the White House. 30, 30, 31 Abrams, M1, A2, latest iteration of the tanks, minus the depleted uranium reactive armor, will soon be headed to Ukraine. You're really scratching your head over this. I am, because it, the American people have to understand that is a very powerful piece of equipment, but it requires an enormous amount of logistical support. You have to have a logistical package. It has a jet engine. When you when you have to remove that engine, you need a big crane. It's a, called an M88. It's a wrecker for a tank. And you need to have smart people working on that. You need to have the maintenance personnel. You need to have the individuals know how so to... You, so you're saying that the tanks is just the price of entry here? Well, you have four people on a tank crew. You're going to need probably six or seven just to support the maintenance in, on that tank, the fuel and everything else. Then you got to train them all up. Yeah, yeah. Congressman, good to have you in today. Good to send good tanks. To you as well. Send yeah. ships. I, I, I would say this as it relates to Ukraine and what we're doing here is that the American people aren't, I mean, it's billions of dollars now. John, if we really want to end this war, you want to end this war, Joe Biden, you need to call Donald Trump. Donald Trump will call Vladimir Putin and end this war. We must stop this war and Donald Trump can do it. He never went into Ukraine under Donald Trump in his four years. I predict that's a phone call that will not happen. <laughs> well, Donald Trump will fix it when he's inaugurated as a 47. See what happens, Congressman? We'll be watching it for the he's next He's going to be in here. jail, motherfuckers. So you can see that, right? Just wall BS, right? Not enough pushback from the Fox host, if I'm being honest. But what he says there at the end is, <laughs> oh, if Biden wanted to end this, all he needs to do is get Trump to call Putin and Putin will end this. And like that's like that's a really bad tell, isn't it? Like that's Donald Trump sort of being ratted out by his own people. If Donald Trump could end this, he would have done so already. But the question becomes, how would Donald Trump end this? How would he end this conflict in a day? And he's not going to end it by being super smart. He's not going to end it by sending Putin a copy of The Art of the Deal. He's going to end it by capitulating. Like, that's why, like, you know what I mean? If you want to end it today, he's right, he could, by just giving Putin everything he wanted in exchange giving for exile him Ukraine. status that's what he would being do. imprisoned or cash under the table or some sort of other quid pro quo. Donald Trump's already been impeached for quid pro quo, trying to... When Trump was in office, uh... He was in agreement with with Putin. So go ahead, go ahead, take Ukraine. That's what he's all about. Blackmail Ukraine. There's no doubt in my mind he's making a deal to try and protect himself if it comes down to it. I think it's Unless a setup too. Some stuff by Trump. I think this was set up way in advance, of course. And uh, you know they even talked about it. I said okay. Um, I'm gonna have to leave the White House probably on his way out because they're buddy fucking like romance going on there. Uh, because Trump, Mr. Trumpy von Schittler loves dictators. Oh man, he would suck the cock of any dictator in the world. He would take it up the ass from any any fucking fascist dictator. Anyway, so, yeah, they set it up in advance. I can, you know, I, well, I can use my psychic powers. Okay, so I'm on my... So he knew he was on his way out. He was going to have to leave the fucking White House. Because he was a loser, even though he didn't concede. 
So he probably called up his, his little butt buddy, Fudge Packer, Putin, and said, hey, uh, okay, if, uh, you know, when, when Biden comes into office, I want you to fucking attack, attack Ukraine. Go ahead and attack Ukraine. And then we'll get everybody to Say so I'll get all my fucking lackeys at Fox fake news. Um they'll say all you have to do, Joe Biden, is call call Trump and he will fix everything. He will stop the war. And um to try to make Trump look like a hero when he's a fucking traitor. And you fucking morons. 74 of you fucking morons fell for it. 40,000 lies, too. Stupid-ass morons. Americans are And then I'm going to show you a couple clips. Dumb as Just a fucking brick. That really underlines that. It notes here. Former President Donald Trump, whose first impeachment was linked to his dealings with Ukraine, on Thursday appeared to criticize the U.S. and Germany over their recent decisions to provide battle tanks to Kiev <laughs> at a time when Russia is expected to launch another major offensive. <laughs> Trump suggested offering tanks to Ukraine would lead to the use of nuclear weapons. <laughs> Meanwhile, Trump said it would be, quote-unquote, easy to end the war without providing any suggestions on how this would be accomplished. <laughs> quote, first comes the tanks, then comes the nukes. Get this crazy war ended now, so easy to do. And he said, it, uh, he said on True Social. So what Donald Trump is doing is blaming his own country and blaming Ukraine for what Russia may do. He's saying first this, then Russia's response. And so what Donald Trump is saying is Putin isn't a bad guy, quote unquote, for wanting to literally decimate people, literally turn them into dust with the most horrific weapons we've ever seen. But rather, it's, it's, it's the United States' fault. It's his own government's fault. His own military's fault. His allies' fault. Because they don't know how to stop the war. And you can see war. it in these clips as well. Like, listen to these clips that really demonstrate this factor. This guy's going to be in world, remember, Crooked Hillary? He's going to cause a war in his first week in office because they think that's my personality type. It's actually the opposite. My personality huh. kept us out of war. And I told you before, would have never happened with Russia. Would have never gone to Putin. Would have never, ever gone in. And even now, I could solve that in 24 hours. It's so horrible what happened. Those cities are demolished now. The people, I'll bet you have millions. It could be millions of people. How can you, you know, they bomb a city to the ground. These big buildings come tumbling down. They say two people were injured. Not two people. They lie. I mean, they lie. But if I were president, you would have zero chance that that war would have happened. And even... Under Joe Biden, the world has become vastly more dangerous, hmm. and there is no greater danger than the deadly menace of nuclear Nothing weapons and hypersonic missiles. Nothing being under missiles. a fucking fascist dictatorship. Hypersonic missiles move at many times the speed of sound and six times faster than current missiles. Armed with nuclear weapons, they could annihilate entire cities and even countries within minutes, and we cannot let this happen. If you take a look right now, the nuclear word is being mentioned all the time. This is a word that you're not allowed to use. It was never used during the Trump administration, <laughs> but now other countries are using that word against us because they have no respect for our leadership. World War III would be a catastrophe unlike any other. This Fucking would make crazy. World War I 
and World Maga War II very small Mega monster. The best way to ensure that such a conflict never happens is to be prepared with unmatched technology and unrivaled strength. To this end, Commander-in-Chief, which we did an awfully good job at rebuilding our military, we rebuilt the entire military. Once again, I will work with Congress and our yeah, the great military, military industrial the complex loves that motherfucker. So you can see, right, like what he's doing is he's, he's, he's doing Putin's communication work here, 100%. Like, I understand the desire to not ratchet up conflict if possible. I understand the desire to find peace even when it's difficult to do so. But what Donald Trump is suggesting here is that Putin is the victim. That's what he's suggesting, 100%. He's saying, uh, how dare we provoke him into using nuclear weapons? That's what Trump is saying. And, and he's noting it there, although the, the N-word is flying around. He often says that the nuclear word is flying around, and we need to, um, you know, stop this right now, and we need to defend our country, and blah, blah, blah. And then he notes in that second clip that, uh, you know, at this stage, you know, uh, this would have never happened if I was president, and if it did happen, we would have stopped it before it got too bad. All of this suggests a few things. One, again, it's just blatant partisanship. Donald Trump is saying this because his opponents are doing it. If he was doing this, then he would accuse his opponents of doing the opposite. Like that's just how blatant politics works, especially from the Trumpian wing of the GOP. But, you know, it often applies to various political spectrums. You just oppose what your opponent is doing to create animosity and difference. Um, but I really do think part of this is just making that deal with Putin. There's no other explanation. Like, why take this position? It's not a popular position. I understand that within the Republican Party, among the fringes of their base, yes, it is. there are more and more people that are pro-Russia, or at least anti-this war, but by and large, the United States and their allies support giving support to Ukraine in what is a blatant war of aggression against them, where Russia is trying to seize territory. And so Donald Trump is giving Putin's talking points mainstream amplification, as are people in the Republican Party. Again, the only way Donald Trump would have ended this or prevented it from starting would have been via the fact that he allowed Putin to have everything he wanted. Yeah, if he just gave everything he wanted to Russia, then yeah, it would be over right now. Of course it would be. But, you know, that's not necessarily uh, negotiating. Again, that's capitulating. Donald Trump knows that in his own country, he is facing life in prison effectively. 40 years, we've talked about this. When you add up all the J6-related charges, 40 years in prison, which for him, of course, is life. And he needs to find a way to have a backup plan. He has a private jet, he can fill it with cash, and he can fly to a bunch of countries that won't extradite. And one of those countries is Russia. I think doing Putin's bidding is Donald Trump's effort, even if it's only a distant one, to get that extradition policy ready. Did you hear last week the press? Right, yes. Okay. <laughs> CD underbelly of the American presidency. Bombshell announcement against Trump one day ago, yay. Gets worse news of his life in Manhattan. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office yeah. has impaneled a criminal grand jury yes. to present evidence about Donald Trump's tax fraud 
and specifically <laughs> they are focused on his criminal fraud relating to hush money payments to Stormy Daniels <laughs> after having sex with her while his wife Melania was pregnant. So who will indict Donald <laughs> Trump first? Will it be the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg? Will it be the Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis? Or will it be Special Counsel Jack Smith? Truly, I don't care as long as somebody indicts this cancer to the United States of America soon. And in response to uh, all of this breaking news, a weak and desperate Donald Trump whined like a little fascist baby on his social media platform about the grand jury in Manhattan, as well as all of the investigations taking place by the Justice Department and Jack Smith. And get this, in Donald Trump's statement, he says, he puts this in his own words, that Vladimir Putin is more trustworthy than the FBI and the Department of Justice. Seriously, he wrote that in his statement. Trump is traitor scum, okay? Let's not mince our words here. And as part of the deranged deluge of posts, Trump also praised Al Capone, who Trump called one of the greatest gangsters. And he also called the Club for Growth and Ron DeSantis. He admires Al Capone. I guess they're like one or two days away from just being called Democrats, right? First you're a globalist, then you're a rhino, then you're a Democrat, then you're a Marxist. Because all these MAGA extremists have is just these, like, juvenile insult words and these fascist tactics. Anyway, we'll talk about that on the podcast. And it's probably best that you missed it. But did you see the Trump campaign events over the weekend? One was in a 200-person gymnasium in Salem, New Hampshire. And another was... I think, like, unlawfully in the state house in South Carolina, the MAGA Republican governor just let them use the state house, and people there were, like, horrified and turned their back to it. These were some of the weirdest and lowest energy events I've ever mm. seen. So, folks, on the one hand, we've got President Joe Biden, whose historic legislative achievements have led to record employment, um, record job creation, um, lower prescription drug prices, Uh, and over 7,000 infrastructure projects that are currently underway. And on the other hand, you have MAGA Republicans who have spent the past few days focused on saying things like, I don't know, Dr. Jill Biden should not call herself a doctor anymore. And you've got Kevin McCarthy saying that George Santos should have more power than President Biden. You've got MAGA conspiracy theorists like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's on the COVID subcommittee. You've got MAGA Republicans continuing to spread and defame Nancy Pelosi and her husband, even after there's video footage of the attack actually taking place. Look, when you can condemn George Santos, when you can condemn insurrectionists, when you can condemn home invaders who attempt to murder the Speaker of the House, when you can't condemn election denialism, when you can't condemn QAnon conspiracies, and when you can't acknowledge that a pandemic is a bad thing, you are no longer a political party. You are a death cult. You are agents of our enemies. You are MAGA. This is the Midas Touch podcast. Ben Mycellus, joined by Brett and Jordy Mycellus. How you doing? 
doing great. Good to see you, brothers. Good to see you, Midas Mighty. I've been really excited for the show all weekend because I think this weekend we saw just an unprecedented level of lies, of fraud, of corruption, of gaslighting. In other words, we saw normal behavior of MAGA Republicans out there just totally trying to gaslight the American public on every issue, even when there is footage, even when there is tape, even when you look and they say, you say the sky is blue and they go, what are you talking about? The sky is red and they insist that it's red. This is how the MAGA Republicans operate. And this weekend, just watching the news, I found myself so enraged. I found myself really wanting to start the podcast and, and, and go live and talk about it all. And so the podcast we have today, we're going to be laser focused on a few things. And at the top of the list is MAGA disinformation and gaslighting. And just to show you the deluge of disinformation that is coming your way and is going into this MAGA ecosystem, we're going to basically limit the disinformation to things that happened over the past few days. These are just things that happened over the past several days. And just so you could really, really see what the, just the poison that is being put into the ecosystem every single day by these MAGA extremists and how dangerous it is, how dangerous it is, we are here right now to call it out. And I couldn't be happier to be doing it with you, the Midas Mighty, and with my brothers right here. Jordy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Two things I noticed right off the bat. One, deluge, I think is the word of the day. You and Ben both used it in your intros. I'm a fan. I don't necessarily know what it means, but I like it. I'll use it at <laughs> you know, some point. When I heard Ben use deluge, I was like, good word, good word, B. That's good. That's good. And, and and two, you know, Ben, not to make you self-conscious, but I, I like the sexy look you're going for for tonight's show. You got the feet neck, the chest hairs popping out. You look good, ready to rock. I love it, B. I love it. So that's what I wanted to use my intro to just acknowledge those two points. Can I go one button up at this point? or is no, you know, leave it. Leave it. Leave it. You look great. So, Brett, just getting into some of these MAGA conspiracy theories and the deluge of um, conspiracy theories that they put out there. You know, one of the one of the kind of strangest and kind of just, you know, sickest. You know, intended, one of the things they're saying is the uh, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, is part of their COVID conspiracies. They, they've been spreading the thing that he's actually dead because of the COVID vaccine and that what's really going on is the NFL is using a body double um, to speak for him. And I just want you to just take a step back for a second. Like that is, that is not basement dwelling weirdo conspiracy theorist segment. This is mainstreamed 2023 Republican party leaders Republican Party influencers. This is a message that the Republican Party actually puts forward. So you have everything from that to even when there's a video that's out that we can actually see what happened with Paul Pelosi. We can actually see the break-in. We can see this terrorist, this individual who tried to murder the Speaker of the House, break in with the hammer and then bludgeon Paul Pelosi over the head repeatedly over and over again as the police saved him. You still have MAGA Republicans. that They can see it. We could all see it with our own eyes. But as we've always said here, they see, you know, we see the sky is blue, and they believe the sky is not even the sky. 
they believe the sky is the ground. And it's like, no, no, that's that's the sky that, that's the sky right there. And you know, it, I think it always went to you think about that, it was definitely a poll that Trump conducted um, about he could shoot anybody on Fifth Avenue and, and, and get away with it. You know, the MAGA Republicans have basically realized the bigger the lie, the better the lie for their base. Just lie about everything and create a base of misinformed individuals who you inject disinformation in their veins every day and then just accuse Democrats, pro-democracy, just people who want to go on with our lives and who actually care about law and order, just accuse them of the wildest conspiracy theories. And this way, when you're asked questions, the same way like Kevin McCarthy's asked questions, you know, over the weekend about, you know, okay, so you're letting George Santos on these committees, like you're not taking action there, and you're letting Marjorie Taylor Greene, he could like say things in just that, like just condescending voice of his you know what he no can say yeah we'd be like well are, are you referring to eric swalwell who had sex with a spy <laughs> is that who is that who you're referring to and it's like okay eric swallow cooperated with the fbi this was like over 10 years ago cooperated with the fbi unlike the magnet extremists the fbi cleared eric swalwell of anything there was nothing to even be cleared of the fbi thanks swalwell for his cooperation and then they just defame their colleagues. Like, again, if this was any other organization in the world, right, that you would be sued for sexual harassment, discrimination, lying about your employees, acting like freaking maniacs. But in the MAGA Republican Party, it's just like you know, business as usual. It's the only organization that you can have such fascism and weirdness and, and hate fester. Yeah, not that they didn't lie prior to Donald Trump, but I think the one big takeaway that they had from the Donald Trump administration, from Donald Trump getting into office, was that in order for them to succeed in the current political landscape, they need to invent their own version of reality. The truth just isn't going to cut it. Because when you hold the facts up to them, their policies, everything they pretend to believe, it all crumbles before their very eyes. So they cannot exist beside the truth. And I think the Kellyanne Conway comments from early on in the Trump administration speaking about, oh, that's not a fact. No, that's an alternative fact. That's an alternative fact. That right there, I think, is one of the defining takeaways that the Republican Party had about Trump. And now, in order to accrue power, in order to gain power, this is exactly their strategy. They're going to lie about everything. And Ben, it doesn't just have to be the big lies. They are lying about even the smallest things, the things that make you go, why would anybody even lie about that? But that is exactly why they lie about it, because who would lie about something so stupid? Jordy. <laughs> well, I just want to go back to Ben's point, too, about Swalwell. It's like this Republican party, let's just call a spade a spade here. They just hate honesty and integrity because they don't have any of it. It's also why they got so mad at Biden and tried to make this document story so big. It's because they hate when people actually do the right thing and cooperate and hand over documents and work with law enforcement to figure out, hey, where did things go wrong? Because in their heart of hearts, all they want to do guilty. is lie, steal, and cheat. It's the motto of the modern-day Republican Party. And by the way, look, you know, Pence and Biden, I think both handled it, you know, the right way, right? I mean, they said, look, we're immediately cooperating. Whatever, whatever assistance that you need, you compare that, though, to what MAGA leadership is, right? I mean, could you imagine if Biden started putting out under his Twitter handle, like, 
you know, the savage terrorist prosecutor, Marxist, you know, whatever, you know, who is a barbarian, you know, by the way, if Biden, (laughs) if Biden tweeted something out like that once, I'd probably, before losing my support, (laughs) I would want to double, I'd want to double check that it was, I'd want to double check that it was real, right? Yeah. But if yeah. someone were to be like, no, 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 like President Biden's, the, he he just tweeted out a QAnon meme of himself with as a cartoon with the Q. I mean, Donald Trump does that every single day, right? It would take one Biden Q cartoon meme for me to be out, no matter all of the good stuff that he did. <laughs> it would take one Q meme, and I'd be like, all right, you know, that's out because I have standards. I I, I right. genuinely care about this country. I care about law and order. I love our constitution. I love our institutions. And if you're supporting a death cult like QAnon, just even just once, Trump does it 20 times a day. He posts these these memes on his social media, you know, with Q and with the lightning and the storm is coming and all of the cult imagery. If you if you had one person do it once as a Democrat, you would you would lose our support. Hey, look what happened to Al Franken. There was like a photo of providing expert training for people who want to. Right, thanks for billion listeners. Look what happened to Al Franken. There was like a photo of him from like 30 years ago, you know, from the SNL days, and they removed him. They removed him right away. A lot of people are very critical of that, but look, I'm proud to be part. Of a party though that has that has standards. Yeah, so and fucking the what? Republican Party has absolutely oh, no Franken. standards. And I think the problem though is that until Biden and until Hakeem Jeffries and until this new wave of Democrats do it, I give Nancy Pelosi credit. You know, Democrats really hadn't been fighters. They they hadn't recognized the existential threat. But I like that Biden's calling them out and saying, these MAGA Republicans are not your Republicans. They are trying to take your social security. They are spreading these conspiracies. Here is who they are. And then, Brett, one thing I want to mention, too, because I want to show the video of this. In addition to the small lies and the big lies, they also message their lies differently to different audiences, right? So you have Kevin McCarthy who goes on CBS Morning Show. And we play, this is what he says about George Santos, where he basically filibusters. He says it like this. And he goes, look, what are you, are you talking about Eric Swalwell? You know, and it's just like, I've been saying for a while, I'm like, Kevin is a creep. Like, and, like, and I say it because creepy. whenever I hear Kevin McCarthy speak, I like feel it inside my bones. I'm like, I feel like yucky. I feel gross. That's how he makes me feel. And we'll play this clip. This is his answer when he's talking about his management of George Santos. And I feel huh. like you'll feel the same exact way. Let's play Fucking this clip from, from the CBS Morning Shows. But doesn't it further wear down credibility when you put someone who's under state, local, federal, and international investigation... As a representative of you your party, on I'm talking about George no, Santos, uh, representative from well, New York. We should have right a discussion. So let's have that discussion. You want to bring up Santos, and let's talk about the institution itself. Because I agree wholeheartedly that Congress is broken, and I think your I think your listeners or viewers should understand what proxy voting was, because it never took place in Congress. But I'm asking before. you about George Santos. I'm now talking about proxy voting because yeah. you could but put it to a vote. You asked me a question. I'd appreciate <laughs> if you let me answer. So let's go through this because it's not one simple. Is answer. 
Yeah, he's not answering the question. is broken based <laughs> upon what has transpired in the last yeah. Congress. The American public wasn't able to come in to see us. Fucking douche. People voted by proxy, meaning you didn't have to show up for work. Mm -hmm. Bills didn't go have to go through committee. So what I'm trying to do is open the people's house back for the people so their voice is there, so the people are held accountable. So now, as I just had in the last week, for the first time yeah. in seven years, every member got thrown. If now, you got a third of your caucus to vote to oust him, you could do so. Do, do, you don't think you could get your Republicans to do that? I wasn't don't finished answering that. the question. So, if I was every single new person brought into Congress was elected <laughs> to have their constituents, but their constituents have <laughs> have lent their voice to the American public. So those members can all serve on committee. Now, what I'm trying to do is change some of these committees as well. Like the Intel Committee is different than so any other committee. So you're just not going to answer the question I asked. Well, no, <laughs> no, you don't get the question whether I answer it. You asked a question. I'm trying to get you I don't you think you that. said the name George Santos like once. But you know what? I just talking about proxy voting and other things. But you know, you started the question with Congress was broken, and I agreed with no, you. No, but I was answering the question of how Congress is broken and how we're changing it. So if I can finish the question that you asked me, how Congress is broken. I equated every yep. single member that just got elected by their by their constituents, they have a right to serve. So that okay. means that Santos can serve on a committee the same way Swalwell, who had a relationship with a Chinese spy, but they Speaker. will not serve on intel. They're wrapping me in the control room because well, that's <laughs> unfortunate. I wish I could I answer the question. There. I would love to have you back. I would love to be able to come okay. back and have time to answer the questions. Uh, 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 so detestable right there. I mean, and, and he pivots immediately when he's finally pressed. And by the way, she, I thought she did a very good job. I've read actually all of the weekend hosts this week, including, Great. and yes, Jordy, and sorry, I'm going to say it, including Chuck Todd. I Chuck Todd's been eating his Wheaties lately. Yeah, I, 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 I got to give him. I got to give him all props this well, weekend for well, holding his well, speaking. Right? Can I just can I just put in super quick there though? Like I, I do think she did a really good job there, but. Ultimately, that right there, though, is a perfect example of what's wrong with the mainstream media and, and those, those mainstream media networks like that is because he didn't answer the question. He filibustered for 95 seconds, and it, the American people didn't get the answer. Kevin McCarthy got off the answer he wanted to give off and the digs that he wanted to do to Swalwell, but he didn't answer the question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just disagree with you slightly in that I'll say it's the format of TV, though, and right. I think his non-answer in a lot of ways was an answer and i think she appropriately called him out could she have went harder yeah. sure but i think given the circumstances i think she did a very good job and i think that's that's the that is the issue though jordy you're right with tv and I, i'm not going to hate on the mainstream media for that but in a tv format when you have to cut to advertisers at a certain time when you have these guests on they know that if they yap away for long enough yeah. Eventually, you're going to have to cut to commercial. Uh, so you, all you got to do is filibuster. And Kevin knows something or two about mm. filibustering. And so that was his strategy. He was just going to go in. He was going to play to the format, which is why, though, you always need somebody in that role as the questioner to be somebody who's fierce, to be somebody who calls out. Because if you're not, you're just going to get totally steamrolled. But I think she actually did a, a good job considering the, the circumstances. But I, but I see your point. I agree. And then later on, so again, this is speaking to different audiences, he goes on Fox, where McCarthy <laughs> says that he would like Santos to have more power than President Joe Biden. That's what he's told Mark Levin. Here, play this clip. Mr. Speaker, first, a very quick question. Who has more power, Joe Biden or George Santos? <laughs> well, right now, I think it is the President Joe Biden, unfortunately. 
unfortunately. I mean, you, <laughs> George Santos may be, in, a, in another era, one of the most, like, vile, despicable human beings. I mean, from all of his lies to creating phony charities that, like, resulted in killing the dogs of military veterans. Like, you, you prey on the military vet community and kill their dogs. Steal their money. Engaging in clear campaign finance crimes, for which it's obvious to anybody who's looking at it. It's just a matter of when he's going to be indicted. I don't know if you caught the news, um, but uh, earlier it was reported that one of uh, Mark Meadows' uh, close family friends uh, was indicted. Her name is Linda Bennett, and she was actually in the running for 2020 uh, for Mark Meadows' seat in the 11th Congressional District. And she received... Uh, what she claimed on her campaign finance docs in 2020 that she loaned herself twenty twenty five thousand dollars, but the loan actually came from somebody else. And so the limits uh, that you can loan your own campaign are limitless. You can loan yourself as however much money you want. You can give your campaign however much you want. But when you're taking in money from third parties, there's a cap: fifty six hundred dollars, twenty eight hundred in the primaries, twenty eight hundred in the general. And so it's obvious to anybody looking who knows the most basics of campaign finance that George Santos did the exact same scheme and is in violation of 52 U.S.C. 30122, and it's a felony. So, like, just a matter of, of when that's happening. And then admitting to the most vile lies. Like, could you think of a more vile lie than that your grandparents, you know, survived the Holocaust and that your mother died in 9-11? And that your mother survived 9-11, that your employees died in the Pulse nightclub shooting, you know, and then obviously lying about every other aspect of his life. But this is someone who McCarthy says, <laughs> I wish he had more power than President Biden. Like, this shouldn't be about Democrats, Republicans. Like, we should just look at that and go, what the hell is that? Because that is wrong. That is disgusting. That is despicable. And Brett, I want to get your take. Jordy, I want yours too. But to that same vein, like... It reminds me of Terry Lake going on Steve Bannon this weekend. Like this is this is this is mainstream MAGA right here. You know, where Kerry Lake's on Steve Bannon, Ronna McDaniel just won again to be the you know, to, to lead the RNC. And Steve Bannon, who's not looking good by the way, like Bannon's like Bannon can barely talk right he's not now. Not sounding good either. Yeah, he's not sounding good. Like for all of them mocking President Biden, like I mean, just listen. To me. I, I wasn't sure if Bannon was like, if it was like intentionally, like if there was a problem with the audio, but but no. And so Bannon has Carrie Lake, and she's in the same area where uh, Rana is, and and Bannon's asking her. Have you spoken with Rana at all? And, and and then Carrie Lake's like, no, I haven't spoken with Rana. And then Bannon goes, you're the freaking governor of Arizona. You're the governor. She's not speaking to the governor of Arizona. I mean, Carrie Lake's not the governor of Arizona. I mean, like, how delusional. There's actually a governor of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, sworn in, who's functioning as the governor because Katie Hobbs won. Carrie Lake lost. Carrie Lake lost her lawsuit. And then, of course, Carrie Lake turns that right into fundraising right away to grip so they can have these weird Mar-a-Lago parties or whatever the hell they're doing, which just gets weirder and weirder. But can we show our viewers and, and play for our listeners this clip of Bad Ends to Carrie Lake? 
Ron McDaniel has not, you've been there for three days, Ron McDaniel has not pulled you aside and said, let's have a cup of coffee and spend five minutes together. Have you guys spent yeah. any time with each other one-on-one? -on -one? No, we haven't, unfortunately. And, and you know what? I do want to reach out to her because here's what's going on. I, and I know that this is popular. Ronna wants... You should you shouldn't have to reach you shouldn't have to reach out to Ronna McDaniel. You're the governor of Arizona. You just won an incredibly tough race because you stood for policies that MAGA stands for. She should be blowing your phone up every day. Don't see I'm gonna get to that in a second, but you were let me be blunt. Were you abandoned by the RNC in your fight historic fight, which you're still going to win? You are the legitimate governor of Arizona. Of that there is no doubt. You know, when someone we wrote these, like someone wrote in the chat like a bag of nuts, like these, like they like this, like the nut, a bag of nuts, like the nuttiest people. And you saw Lindell and Carrie Lake when he said it, like crack up, like it's funny. That's yeah, you one know, of the most it, disturbing it, parts of the clip. I didn't even like. It, it felt like even Bannon wasn't buying his own BS that he was selling in that clip. And then they were struggling through it. And even she was like laughing at, oh, I get to grift off this lie. Thanks for throwing me that layup. I got an email that I'm sending out and we're going to hold another campaign rally, even though the campaign's over. And we're going to collect some more donations off this lie. The thing that I, you know, liked in prepping for this episode is that the lies that we're showing in our takedown of MAGA disinformation the lies are so obvious, and I think in stringing all these lies together in the way that we're doing it throughout this episode and, and the way that you will see throughout the rest, I think you will just see how obvious it is, but also just how ever-present it is, and how they just beat you over the head with it non-stop. And just, you know, why, why would the Republican Party want to embrace somebody like Carrie Lake, who, because of who she is, is why she lost because of her embrace of Trump, because of her election denialism, that's why she was roundly rejected by the party. She literally said, F you, McCain Republicans. F you, I don't want your vote. That's what Carrie Lake told them. And they wonder, why did we lose? And then they try to act like, oh, actually, she is the governor when she's not the governor. It's really a disturbing form of, you know, I don't want to call it mental illness per se, but it's really they are living in their own alternate reality, and there is a sickness to it that we are witnessing, that we are going up against. And that's why it's important that we are able to flood the zone with the truth and that we are able to call all this out when we see it. Here's an example, too, so to your point, Brett. As I said at the outset, you know, one of the things that MAGA Republicans are very focused on is how dare Dr. Jill Biden, first lady, call herself a doctor. She has a PhD. That's why she can call herself a doctor. So this is just one I could have picked from dozens that are out like this. Uh, but again, this is what they're focused on. Like, you know, I, I'm not going to demean Melania Trump because I don't have to. Okay? I mean, it's obvious. Okay? Um, it, 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 does, it doesn't require me to even go there. Um, but here you have, in Dr. Jill Biden, a PhD, first lady, caring, compassionate right like represents yeah. all, all the good all the good love <laughs> and they hate it and they hate it and the anger and the venom at dr jill biden okay, is just boy? such a tell here pull back up to megan kelly's um announcers for this eagles 49ers game just spotted the first lady in the box and of course called her dr jill biden 
Wonder if she realizes what a wannabe she looks When I told my brother I was getting thousands of dollars worth of financial assistance, he didn't believe it either. But check this out. As of November 1st, 2022, enrollment is now open for... Wonder if she realizes what a wannabe she looks like, insisting on this fake title. Get a real MD or just work on yourself. Esteem, well, Jason Patterson, who actually did some, he didn't have to do such digging. I mean, he's, he's like, I thought this was pretty ob uh, obvious. Um, so Megan Kelly's father was a PhD and referred to himself as doctor. So you want to talk about, you want, this is the conversation. So Jason goes, Megan and I were both born in Champaign, Illinois. Megan was born there because her dad received his doctor of education, the same doctor degree that Jill has at Illinois the year after she was born. When her dad taught at University of Albany, he was called Dr. Kelly. Megan Kelly's father was Dr. Kelly, who literally has the same degree as Jill Biden. But, but they don't care. You know, the, the hard part sometimes, the reality is, is that when we do these shows, it would be very easy if I just... Oh my God, guys, here's what we're going to do. And let's just make it. <laughs> like, let's just say, you know, you wouldn't have to do much work. You could just say anything um, if, if there's no accountability. But like when you have truth, you have to use logic. And when you have to use logic, you have to have facts to support it. And that may require a little more work sometimes than people who just spread the lie. But here, Megan Kelly says that her own father was Dr. Kelly. And because this is the perfect example here, because this is right here, the epitome of phony grievance meets outright lies. It's all fake outrage, right? She is just find something to be outraged with. Do you think Megan Kelly is, is sincerely sitting there like, how dare she call herself a doctor? And how dare Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Yeah, I would love for someone to ask her that. Yeah, so can we call Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. a doctor? Do you oppose that? I would love to get Megan Kelly's answer on that. Your father, Dr. Kelly, would you would you say, no, Dad, you're not a doctor, if we ask you. But it's the perfect example of grievance politics, of getting outraged over nothing, and just outright lying. And where those Venn diagrams cross one another is where MAGA lives in perpetuity. And so once you live in that space, especially when you are profiting off that space like Megyn Kelly, you learn to exploit it over every little thing. And she thinks, by the way, I bet if you asked her, she would think she's far superior to a Tucker Carlson or an Alex Jones. If you asked her, she probably thinks, I'm a respectable girl. I was on NBC. You remember when NBC, by the way, Jordy, to go back to your critique of the media, NBC had her on for a brief period of time, and then they basically paid her like $69 million to leave the network. Um, so she got a big... Because when she had to grapple with the facts, she she really couldn't handle that format. Like, she was horrible. Well, also, yeah. also, I'm pretty sure she said some really apparent shit when uh, Halloween had come around. I think she made some really ludicrous I, I, comments. I, I think you're right, but she can't control herself because they live in this right. world of grievance, politics, meets lies. It's outrage plus lies 
equals MAGA, and that's where she lives. And if she thinks she's any different than Alex Jones, if she thinks she's any different than Tucker Carlson, well, I have some news for her. She is cut from the same exact cloth, as are all these MAGA influencers that we've been speaking about this entire time. She thinks she's probably so much better than Donald Trump, who harassed her and mocked her in front of the entire country. She's doing the same exact things that Donald Trump is doing, and she's making money off it. Brett, how about, to that point, Newsmax coming after me and Colin Kaepernick with the same kind of BS-like talking points, where they attacked our documentary that's coming out on Hulu on February 3rd on Friday. It's not even out yet, okay? And they're already attacking it. They don't even know, they don't even know what, what it's about because if they actually knew what it was about, they'd go, oh, it's about it's a radical, woke mob and, and it's saying all these negative things about cops. It was like, well, let me tell you, the, the uh, police officer, What's the story actually about? <laughs> okay, let, me, let me explain to you what it's actually about because the suspect who was shot and killed may have been a confidential informant. And one of the handlers, who was a cop, may have been a drug dealer. And so the cop may have been a drug dealer who was uh, putting out pounds and pounds of methamphetamine into the community and may have pled guilty to the crime. So, admitted to it. Admitted to it. <laughs> and, 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 and you'll see in the trailer, like, they cut that part out, like, and admits to it. You know, and so I don't want to give away all the twists and turns of, it's called Killing County, that Colin Kaepernick and I, uh, executive produced, that comes out on Hulu on February 3rd. Everyone's got to watch this on Hulu and spread the word. Definitely about. watch it. Thank you. But, uh, again, that's, why I, but that's why I was like, so wait a minute, I'm trying to be very clear. It's now the radical woke mob to criticize when a former police officer deals methamphetamine into the community. That's... Because perhaps if she actually did one second of research <laughs> and actually looked at who the cop was, the former cop was in the trailer, she may have actually done the research and discovered what it's actually about. Here, play this clip of her attacking Dylan Jackson. Protester and hero to the radical woke mob, Colin Kaepernick, he's back in the spotlight. Now executive producing a new anti-cop docuseries, and it's called Killing County. Guess he just doesn't feel enough people hate America yet. Here's a peek at how slanted this three-part series is. My son died in a shootout. F this. I'm calling the cops on the cops. Walk the streets, bankers. The deadliest law enforcement in the country per capita. The highest rate of officer-involved deaths anywhere in the country. This is where the story takes very bizarre. And as you start unraveling the layers, explain to me where the woke radical mob is the deadliest shootings per capita in the united states that's a fact that's called the fact ladies and gentlemen that's called the fact and the officer they they cut out at the end but the officer is demacio diaz who served five years in a federal penitentiary for dealing drugs into the community but i guess it's just so woke to uh to expose that and criticize when uh when when the police are putting drugs into the community but but, but i guess so it's woke. also woke you know so woke when we say insurrections are bad it's so woke when we say right election denialism is bad so woke 
when we say, hey, everybody, let's treat pandemics seriously. Oh, how, how woke is that? I mean, all these very woke concepts, I guess. But that's all they have. Oh, that. I'm just like, look. Can we just be freaking normal here, you bag of nuts? Going back to that comment, you bag of you bag of fascist nuts. Let's let's like have normal conversations. And Ben, I think it goes back to your your point that you had made earlier. It's just easier for these MAGA Republicans and the, this right wing media to just make stuff up than to actually come to the hard truth that the things that they are so scared of don't actually exist in this country and that they would rather invoke culture wars and, and just get everybody so mad at each other for their own profit because they don't care about America. They don't care about this country. They care about lining their pockets with money while they get to laugh at half of the country for believing us. And anytime they speak, anytime they use the word woke, it's to try to shut you up and it's to try to immediately stop finding a solution to any problem. Because there's some really messed up things in our country right now that need solving. And there are a variety of problems that pop up every single day. But when you have a party that is not interested at all in finding solutions or compromising or anything, but instead just goes, wokes, communist, Marxist, anytime anything comes up, you're never going to get anything done. And then they deflect and they try to push blame on the other side and they try to project. They try to throw everything, all of their fears onto their audience, onto you. They try to just stoke so much fear and violence also of the people who are actually trying to solve the problem. Like Ben said, Antifa, Marxist, this, that. And we saw it on full display. I mean, Friday was a difficult day for this country. Friday was an incredibly, incredibly difficult day where we, we began with seeing the release of the Paul Pelosi footage, which was absolutely horrifying to see. And then we basically ended the day by seeing the footage of Tyree Nichols getting assaulted and murdered before our eyes on camera. It was one of the most shocking, appalling, most horrific things ever. And what was Fox's response? Fox's immediate Whoa, response was to try to get Fuck their viewers off. terrified. They don't really need to shut these motherfuckers down. Get off your big, fat, lazy, morbidly obese really asses. And my Call the Justice Department. Tell them to do their fucking job and read the Constitution. Program. Get rid of these motherfuckers. All of them. Hey, everyone. Thanks for waiting. It's going to be worth it. Uh, I'm Heather Moran. I'm the CEO here at Sixth and And whether you're here with us in person or watching virtually from home, on behalf of Sixth and I and our partner, Politics and Pros, Thank you so much cool. for being here Politics with us tonight and, and for continuing and to support nonprofits and independent bookstores. Now, yeah. Great job. how many of you are here for the first time? Raise your hand. Oh, welcome. It's so nice to meet you. Well, I'm going to share a little bit about this very special place, if, if you'll allow me, if, if you have a choice. Um, after opening... In 1908, this building was a synagogue for 45 years, and then it was an African Methodist Episcopal Church for the next 50. Nice. I know, right? 
When the church relocated and put the building up for sale in the early 2000s, the highest bid was from someone who wanted to turn this place into a what? A nightclub. <laughs> which would have been banging, for sure. <laughs> but... <laughs> Within 24 hours, three local real estate developers saved the building, paving the way for Six and I to become a center for art, entertainment, yeah. ideas, and Jewish life. Even a little cafe. Oh, thanks. Cool. And for the past 18 years, our mission has been to inspire more meaningful and fulfilling lives through an unexpected mix of experiences that embrace the multifaceted identities of those we serve. On January 6, 2021, our country came dangerously close to losing its democracy. Just six blocks from where you're sitting tonight, a mob violently attacked the Capitol building in an attempt to disrupt the certification of the presidential election and prevent the peaceful transfer of power. An act of domestic terror without parallel in American history, it endures as one of those historic moments where you'll always remember where you were when you heard the news. I will remember coming into this building two days later, having to show my ID at an armed checkpoint with a tank around the corner at 600 in Massachusetts Avenue. We came to remove our Torah scrolls from the building to make sure they stayed safe. In a resolution six months later, the House of Representatives established a special committee to investigate how and why the attack happened. And as you know, the findings of their investigation were released later, were released last month. Tonight, we are so proud to welcome Emmy Award-winning journalist Ari Melber to Six and I. He's here to present his analysis of Congress's January 6th Wood Report and the wider conspiracy to overthrow the 2020 election. The printed edition of the report, with a foreword written by Ari, quickly became the number one nonfiction book in the country, besting editions of the report from the New York Times and New Yorker. Before becoming MSNBC's chief legal correspondent and the anchor of the beat with Ari Melber, Ari practiced First Amendment law and served as a legislative aide in the U.S. Senate. His deep understanding of the law and the inner workings of Congress distinguishes his reporting and broadens our understanding of the critical issues of the day. But, as the rapper Drake says, you can't listen to me talk and go tell my story. So, I'm going to leave that to attorney John P. Flannery, who we are thrilled to have with us tonight. Mr. Flannery is a former federal prosecutor and regular guest commentator on TV and radio. He served as the special counsel to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee and the Senate Labor Committee. Later in the program, we'd love to hear your questions, and you'll be invited to line up at a standing mic in either aisle. And then following the event, signed books will be for sale in the main lobby by lots of them. And we'll also have a meet and greet on stage. So please hang on to the tickets you got when you entered if you'd like to participate. Thank you all for being here and at home for being with us. Ari Melber is going to kick things off tonight. So please join me in giving him a warm welcome to Six and I. 
and open it by, by saying they attempted a coup. That's the most important fact about what happened. And for some people that sounds obvious, and for some it might sound like, doesn't that happen other places, not here? And that, I think, is the most important thing that the nation digests and that the Justice Department has to deal with, because while arresting and prosecuting and now convicting people like Mr. Barnett matters and obviously must happen, if you only go after those people, then you are treating it more as a one-day crime scene, a riot, as some called it, violence, which we saw deployed against the police, all serious felonies, but none of those things on their own when private citizens do them in a disjointed manner comprise an attempted coup. Um, and when I say it's an attempted coup, I'm not talking about adjectives, criticism, opinion. I'm not talking about whether you dislike Donald Trump, which many people do for many reasons. I'm talking about who Donald Trump was before this, which is one set of conversations, and then what it means when someone in government, in power, tries to steal your democracy and your vote. And what does it mean if they're allowed near power again? So that, I think, undergirds all of this. Um, what I want to then do is say, 